Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Today, we're back in the OG Freckled Foodie and Friends recording studio, my apartment, with Joel Cameron, just like Cameron. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I'm really sorry. Is that uncomfortable? No, it's perfect. We've got like a bootleg situation. It's not bootleg. It is scrappy, (laughs) which is what I'm all about. Yes, but it's using your cookbook as a little stand for the microphone, which I fucking love. Yes. So... Obviously, we're going to get into Scrappy and everything you're about because yeah. I truly, I said this about you, I was talking to you about about you with someone recently and I was like, oh, he's the most inventive and creative mind I've ever been so close to. What? I'm so Cameron, serious. Cameron, that is, because I kind of feel the same thing about you. Shut I, up. No joke. I, I, dude, I'm telling you, I, that's really no, nice I'm of you to so, say. No, I'm so, I'm in awe. So, I actually gave you no warning of this but okay. the way i start my episode Bring is it. i kind of put you on the spot whatever yeah. but it's fun how would you define success uh success is wow i know but then we move off of this. no no I, I i love that question <laughs> um i would say success for me is being in the moment i love that i no one has given me that answer yeah i you know i meditate a ton and and like i didn't know that yes Wait, every i want to dive into that so okay do I. yeah do you for how long 10 minutes that's all i could do i have add yeah and do you do <laughs> guided or guided okay. i have to what do you do i do i think well i went to this program called ziva which okay. emily our friend who connected yeah. us actually introduced me to so it's mantra based so i have a mantra and oh, awesome. I kind of repeat the mantra. It's for 20 minutes in the morning. It's supposed to be 20 minutes in the afternoon, but I cut it down to 10, then none. Now I'm trying to do 10 again. Good for you. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, it's changed my life. Would you say the same? Yes. Thing? Yeah. And like, you know, um, so when I was growing up, I played tennis like mm-hmm. really competitively and I went to Thailand and I was practicing with this guy and he had something called Zenis. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> oh my God, yes. I know it's amazing. And his name was Joel. And so it really stuck with me. And um, basically he taught me how to breathe and mm-hmm. it changed my game. And ever since then, I really believed in breath and, and yes. believed in um, meditation. And so, yeah, it what it does for me is it makes me kind of forget the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it kind of allows me to be like, today's the only day that matters. Mm-hmm. It is fucking hard. It is a muscle. It is. Let me just be very clear. Meditation is not like the answer. It is just no. like it's like going to the gym for your head yeah and um but yeah man i I, so yeah being in the moment is is 
the key to life. So I want, I have so many thoughts on this, but a breath work. Yes. Growing up, I played sports my whole life yes. and lacrosse was my main one, but I was never focused on breath work. I actually, yeah. my mom was really into yoga before yoga was like a thing. Mm. She started in 2001 after 9-11. So it mm. was like way before it was yeah. popular and what it yeah. is today. And I would always make fun of her when she would do her workouts because her breathing was so intense. Don't you still kind of make fun of your mom on oh, Instagram? Yes. I kind of see that sometimes. Oh my God, I throw her <laughs> so much shade. I wish I could just do a segment on her. Yeah. But anyway... I never understood it. But then when I started focusing on breath work through yoga and through meditation, I golf. Um, yeah. I use air quotes because I haven't been <laughs> in so long. But yeah. I really enjoy it once I get out there. It's just yeah. getting me into a golf course. And everyone, like, I always joke with my husband. I'm like, why do you play this sport? Because you say you love it. And then every time you go out, you complain about how bad you are. Right. You get in the car. You're so pissed off. <laughs> and then you book a tea time for the next yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the only sport that people do that. Yeah. And I think because I go in with the mentality of like, I don't actually care how good I am at this sport mm. because I don't mind. And I connected my breath work with my swing mm. randomly one day. I was like, okay, I'm going to breathe in. And then as I exhale or I was breathing in as I like with my back swing yeah, yeah, and yeah. exhaling as I went forward. Yeah. And it changed my game. Yeah. I swear to you. And I tried to explain it to Joe. Yeah. He's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Oh my like, gosh. Oh, you don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it really changes. There's a high school I heard about in the Midwest um, that every 20 minutes, or I'm sorry, between periods, between mm -hmm. classes, they do a 20 minute meditation session with like high schoolers. What? They're leading their entire state in all sports, all testing, all everything, and they're like in the middle of nowhere, and they just meditate for twenty minutes. Like I'm I telling you, that. it just enhances everything. I agree. It's I'm, the salt of life. Yes, I'm really trying to get Joe on the meditation. I got my parents on, doing Joe. it, which is huge. Like, is that weird fact. for them? No, because because my, my parents think it's weird. They call me a boojoo. So my, I think my parents were my aunt used to do it okay. a long time ago, and okay. everyone in my family made fun of her, and I feel like a dick now because I was included. <laughs> um, but it was more like she'd sit on the chair and like we'd all be talking. She would just do it without telling anyone, so yeah. we'd be in conversation, and then we're like, "Hello," and yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. "I'm meditating." I'm like, "What? No, you're not. You're just eyes are closed," <laughs> which she was. And so I think also like my mom, we've always gone. My mom and I have always been very open and accepting to a little bit of the woo-woo-ness. Yeah, so yeah. I grew up with a healer. Yeah. Since I was... What's a healer? It was actually right after 9-11 as well. Um, we, she practices energy healing. And it's kind of like Reiki, but her hands are actually on her body. Okay. And it's this wild, wild story. But to make a long story short, um, we lost a very close friend on 9-11. Uh -huh. And my mom, the year after was throwing a like spa party almost for the wife who's her best friend who lost her husband for all of their close girlfriends as like a thank you for supporting me for the fat the last year and this woman was helping with the flower decorations and she brought a friend and the friend that she brought walked up to my mom and was like I can help you my mom's like yeah okay like isn't that you're kind of here helping right and the woman's like no 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 I can help you my mom's like I have no idea what you're talking about lady and my mom is very like efficient and we're talking about this and we're doing this and then we're moving on and she had my mom had awful psoriasis her from like 21 until around this time so her late 40s early 50s and it was like really bad she wouldn't wear shorts she wouldn't wear tank tops she was so embarrassed by it and it was all stress related but mm. she just couldn't get to the bottom of it she tried medications everything and the woman was like, I can help you and like your inner soul, your energy, everything. And my mom was kind of like, sure, whatever, let's try. Yeah. So she had a river for a session and I was very young at the time. I was 
I guess, 11, 12. And she basically, over time, totally healed my mom's psoriasis. So it was very much, it wasn't like, oh, this kind of helps. It's like, there is no more psoriasis on my body. And so I started going to her with like, I dealt with anxiety as a kid, my younger sister too, but also injuries. Like I would have sports injuries and she was the only one that could fix them. And it's, I can't explain it, but because I've been working with her for so long, she heals me from distance. I go home once, it depends. Like after my accident, I went home once every three weeks to try and see her. She is a magical woman. She doesn't, I never share her information because she's like very much not on technology she's not like doing this for those right. reasons to get famous she like has her practice in new jersey in a small town and people come to see her and like that's that so i, I really keep it personal it's actually yeah. the first time i've really openly talked wow. about it but my parents so we've always been open to woo woo quote yeah, unquote yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. and my mom saw how much it helped me with my anxiety and stress and she suffers with a lot of anxiety yeah. but my dad has always been like a like a man's like finance working man right, of right. like, I know what works. I know what doesn't. I don't think I have time for this and I don't think it'll help me. And he recently left his job and they've been spending a lot more time together and he's figuring out his next step of life. So for Christmas, I talked with my mom about getting the two of them, the online program to the in-person one I went to. Wow. And I was like, this will never happen. And they did it. They took the online courses. They meditate every morning together. It's actually really cute that because they'll wake so up, cute. they wait for each other and like they'll come downstairs and like, okay, are you ready to meditate? Yeah. And it makes me so happy. See, I, that's amazing. I love that. And I can totally relate. Yeah. Both my parents, they're not into the woo-woo. So mm-hmm. I'm, you're, you're lucky that your parents are into it, but yeah. they won't meditate with me, but they totally respect me. Exactly. They, they think it's fine. But what's crazy to me is, is like, I've been going to therapy. I have anxiety mm-hmm. too and been dealing with it in high school and definitely definitely biological anxiety not like yes like it was passed to me like it wasn't like that's something how i feel yeah and and i don't know my bio dad but all i know is he would have like it to the point where he couldn't get on planes mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so um bottom line is i've tried everything with it mm-hmm. and uh meditation is the only thing that's really like done anything but yeah. therapy has been huge and Therapy's it's funny huge. with the stigma when you say woo woo it's like it's funny to me that therapy has the stigma too. It's like whenever uh, I say I talk to my therapist or my wife and I go to a couple's therapist yeah. and we drop it at like a date night, we'll be like, oh, we talked to our couple's therapist and yeah. they said to like amp up this. Yeah. And people look at us, they're like, are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Did you just say yeah, did you just I love watching people's reactions I in conversation because they're like, they kind of like pause. They're like, oh, do, like it's as if I said I just like, killed someone yeah or did heroin yeah like Like, well the other day when i was on crack yeah totally like it's mind-blowing to me yeah yeah and so i my parents my mom was big on therapy growing up i think i saw one when i was younger for a bit but like never really i saw one when i graduated college yeah i was just in a shitty phase of my life yeah and then i always knew i wanted to see a therapist but i was working insane hours it wasn't a job that i could leave the desk for appointments in the middle of the day yeah. no therapist offered appointments that early in the morning and whatever so it didn't work when i quit my job i called my mom and i was like i'm so fucking happy yeah. but the number one thing i'm doing is finding a therapist yeah because i now can yeah i have the schedule and sort through all it. Of that. It, it it just like i say this a lot on my instagram and i'm very open about it and I think it's one of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that when I opened up about this, not even thinking twice, it was just like, oh, well, when I was at therapy the other day, I got these DMs. Like, I've been so embarrassed to see a therapist, and you just encouraged me oh, to go find awesome. one. Like, that makes me so fucking yeah, happy. Yeah, that's awesome. But I think that, you know, we would go, if you're hurt, you're going to go see a physical therapist. 
So if your brain needs extra assistance, why wouldn't you go but see a mentor? But most people don't think they do. I know, I know. Most people think they can kind of uh, just... We all do. I know, I know, I know. So, I mean, right now I'm seeing a life coach, okay. which is In, yeah. amazing. And the big th difference between therapy and life coach that I've heard mm -hmm. is that therapy looks into your past and kind of mm -hmm. digs into like... New Jersey, feel field or, or yeah. lacrosse and all that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Life Coach looks into like planning for the future. Mm -hmm. My so, friend's a Life Coach. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I love She's it. She's based it's, in Canada. I, so when I first started to want to get a TV show, mm -hmm. to want to build a brand, to want to do it, I met with a Life Coach. And there were some things I wrote down on there. I cannot believe they came true. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about manifesting. Like weird shit. Like weird. Like I was like, I'm going to sell a show with Katie Couric as an executive producer and, and it's going to be about food waste. Shut up. And it was like four years before I did it. That's crazy. And like crazy. Do you still have these journals? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I have my journals from before I quit my job writing letters to myself. Like, I really think you're going to do this. Like, I'm all about manifestation. So yes. I manifest the shit out of this. Yes, you have to. All the you time. I'm to. like, Dak Shepard will be on my podcast. I'm <laughs> manifesting that. So one day when he's on it, I will play this episode for Don't him. Don't you want to be on his podcast? I mean, yeah, but I have so many questions for him. <laughs> I care more about, like, asking him than being on his. Oh, uh, I love it. Um, okay, so now that we've, like, dove into all of that, yeah. and I love you for all of this, <laughs> I do want to talk about what you do and why you're so amazing. So oh God, I, I met it. you through the TV show that yeah. you just mentioned that yeah. you ended up selling yeah. with Katie Couric as yeah. a producer. Mm -hmm. Scraps. Yeah, Scraps. Scraps yeah. is the name of it. Okay. Yeah. I went to the premiere of the first season yeah, yeah. in, like, it was uptown somewhere. Yeah, it was in Lincoln, Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center. Yeah. Um, I will never forget the fried chicken that you guys served. Oh, the pickle, pickle brine. juice. Oh my God, yeah. it was good. Bum. So why don't you tell us a little bit of, we can obviously also dive into your backstory, but yeah, tell yeah, us yeah. about scraps yeah, yeah, yeah. in general and the book Cooking Scrappy. Totally. So um, There's my dishwasher. I love it. It's I was like, what the fuck is that sound? <laughs> it's my stomach. I'm starving. <laughs> um, so basically, I'm the head chef for Sur La Table, and I was mm -hmm. in a class, and um, I was looking around the room, and there were these garbage bowls filled with trash. Mm -hmm. And trash, I say trash, but it was like shrimp shells, cucumber seeds, yeah. snap pea, you know, outside the shells. Not trash, but what we throw out. Totally. So typical man's trash. Exactly. And the first thing they teach you at culinary school as a chef and in restaurants is you can't throw anything away mm -hmm. because that's profit. Yeah. And... So when I was in this room teaching, which is what I do every day, um, I realized that home cooks didn't have that sensibility. Like they were throwing all this stuff away. Mm -hmm. While restaurant cooks, we were saving it all. And I, I was kind of like, is this a problem? Like, is this like, are people losing a lot of money? And it turns out it's a monster so problem. Much. Oh my God. Like we are throwing away so much money, billions of dollars yeah. as a company, as a country. And it's like the number one contributor to global warming. Yes. So I forget the stat, but I'm going to put in the show yeah. notes and I should send it to you to listen to. I did an episode with my friend who's very involved in changing the way we handle scraps from yeah. like a world level. Okay. And like more about food waste and he's turning it into a fertilizer fertilizer oh, yeah. to then feed cows so that there's I've like no waste that will be used to then feed this cattle. However... It's insane. It's like we're, I want to say we're the third largest country. We're if the you largest. Just took, no, but if you just took our waste. Oh. I, I'm going to butcher this stat. So yeah. I'm going to just enter the show <laughs> notes. But you realized what a big problem it was. It's insane. Yeah, no, I realized it's insane. Basically, imagine going to the grocery store, mm -hmm. picking up a bag and two bags of groceries and mm -hmm. just throwing one in the garbage. That's how much food we waste at home. 
And so that was like crazy to me. I never yeah. really thought of myself as kind of like a green like mm-hmm. advocate for the world. Like I just I'm crunchy, but not that crunchy. Mm-hmm. But this one just kind of stuck with me, and I got into it and um, and just followed it down this path. And now I'm just like obsessed. And every single time I see an ingredient, I see like you know I don't just get a banana; I see the peel. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay, so this is why I think you're the most innovative and like. <laughs> insanely creative person I know because on your Instagram well A the show is awesome to begin with thank you and season two is just wrapped wrapped. so so yeah so we are going into season three okay yeah so I'll obviously link everything in the notes but everyone should watch um and the chefs that you have on there are really cool. Yeah, I remember cool the Charleston chefs. episode was yes, awesome. Yes, and we Those had Jacques Pepin on. Were so attractive. Uh, they were good looking. Oh right? my god! I yeah. never felt so ugly in my life. I felt like, oh, like shut up. No, I felt like a woolly they mammoth very compared to them. Looking. Yeah, I know. I remember being like Emily. What? <laughs> we went to Charleston for my bachelorette. I was like, should we find the oyster <laughs> yes, men? Yes. She's like, you're crazy. I think he's single now. Oh fuck! Well, too late for me. <laughs> oh shit! I just hit the mic. Um, because I'm nervous. I love it. Anyway. We, I watched the show, yeah. so I that's where I originally found you. I loved the show. Thank you. But then I started finding you on Instagram, and what I love is I'm all about making healthy living approachable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's topics that either are taboo or we don't want to talk about or people are intimidated yeah. by. And that's how I felt people felt in general around cooking, but especially yes. cooking in a quote-unquote healthy way yes. with clean ingredients. It's yes. like, oh, God, it's so expensive, or I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to order, like, the delivery or whatever something so i try to do that on my page but what i love is that you make this food waste movement approachable in the sense of like listen we all have fucking stuff we're going to throw away like in no world are we not going to have food that we're then throwing out totally so instead of just wasting it let's try to turn it into something yeah so you were the original inspiration i believe for me when i i mean i have a bag in my freezer at all times i just made it so i don't right now but i keep one bag with just food scraps of like carrots, onions, zucchini, everything, kale stems, whatever. And then another bag of every time I devour a rotisserie chicken, Yes, the bones. And so then when they're full, I'm like, okay, it's time to make broth. Yep. And stuff like that. Totally. I've found so many different ways to use things and I'm big, I cannot throw out food. Like I will eat a bowl of 20 different like quote unquote meals mashed into one before I toss (laughs) it out. Like if we're leaving for the weekend, that fridge is empty. Yeah. But yeah. I think your page is so fucking insane of how you think of these things. Oh. The other day I was cutting a mango and I yeah. was like, oh, I know I'm going to toss this pit. And I'm mad at myself because Joel made like some mango pit <laughs> jam or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, how did he think of this? Oh, my God. Well, I don't know where a lot, a lot of it comes from just asking. And it's yeah. like I dived into it. But a lot of it is it just comes to me. But I think one thing, Cameron, you and I do, which is just mm-hmm. like, how do you make food approachable? How do you make cooking approachable? Yeah. And we live in this world. And you're amazing at putting out content, and I'm Thank not you. as much. I try to, but I think the reality You've got is, it's like when I cook, so I think okay. you're good here. But I mean, not I, not I'm good on the social media front. <laughs> but I'm. But my point is, it's like a lot of the times, and I'm guilty of this too, right? Yeah. Like tomorrow we talk. I'm going on the Today Show, so tomorrow there's going to no be no big deal. Well, there's going to be four food stylists behind me, making food look perfect, mm-hmm. right? It's going to like come out with like tweezers and herbs yeah. and all this shit. And, like, the reality is, is I'm going to be talking to someone at home being like, yeah, whip this up in, like, 10 minutes. It's perfect for you and your kids. And it's, like, kind of bullshit. And okay, it's so I wanted to talk to you about this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. And I just cut you off. I apologize. No. But we, ba- we both were just a part of a project recently. Yeah. That will be coming out yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. And I struggled a lot with that because, A, 
when all the food was cooked, I'm like, but where is this all going? We oh, cannot. Oh, like, all that food gets trashed. I'm like, everyone sit down and eat. And, oh, you know, I didn't. I was like, Tim, I can't throw all of this out. I took yeah. Tupperwares from their kitchen, packed <laughs> it up, and brought it home and ate it in my Airbnb because I'm like, I cannot watch yeah. this be thrown out. I mean, it's not just that. It's more but just But it's also like, just like the, the end result looks so beautiful. And, that's and it took why, 10 people to get it there. Yeah. And like really high, nice cameras and lenses mm-hmm. and like and like lighting. professionally trained people professionally trained people and we're like you can just go whip this up good luck and it's one thing that i love about yeah. you and i was telling you i love your unfiltered days it's thank you this is a problem with cooking is it's it's never been so popular but at the same time it's never been so unapproachable and manicured and manicured mm-hmm. and like everyone's into it because it looks fucking amazing to make that giant rainbow yeah. you know cookie mm-hmm. unicorn poo and like <laughs> You, you, you want to make it because it looks awesome. Yeah. But, like, do you guys, like, those videos, like, on Tasty and all those. Uh, they, they make me so overwhelmed. They cost millions of dollars yeah. to make those. Like, you cannot make it that amazing. And so no. how do, with scraps and with you, when it takes on, like, you know, how do yeah. you cook in a healthful way that's approachable? It's really, really difficult to kind of get through to people, like, real cooking, real mm-hmm. ideas. And that's kind of the idea behind the show is I wanted to cook outside where there was no fucking kitchen, where there yeah, was no tools. Yeah, I love that part of the show, yeah. too. You know, we wanted to cook imperfectly, you know? And that's how you started in that U Connecticut College video I yes, saw recently. Yes, I did. I, I love cooking outside. dying at that video. You, you are a child, yet you are the same child. person. Thank you. But I was so fucking nervous. This is the first video I sent to Food Network asking for a show. And it was so They good. denied me, just like Whatever. they did for many, many years. But it's cool. You got to get denied to get accepted. That's right. Eventually. Um, so bottom line is, I'm totally with you. I think food is so unapproachable in a lot of ways. And like it's up to us to, to kind yeah. of make it approachable. But um, it's hard to do that and not be like a walking stigma, if that makes sense. I'm struggling with it. And I try, you know, I try to post on my stories. It It's so easy because... There are times where I really want to post my stories like, okay, and I did this every once in a while, like cooking with Cam. I'm like, we've got 20 minutes. I have a few friends coming over for dinner. Like, I'm going to take you through this step by step. Right. But then I'm also like, it's so much work to do that and also cook. And I'm like, right. well, fuck, I actually only do have 20 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. Like, yes, it will <laughs> totally. only take me 20 minutes to cook. But if yes. I'm recording and I yes. try to write everything on the stories for people who don't want to listen to the volume, because yeah. who am I to think anyone's actually listening to the volume when I never do? Yeah. Um, so how it's do you? So how do you make yourself approachable? How, like, what do you do? And it was kind of interesting because we were having a conversation yeah. around Which like kind of where you come from. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, how do you break down the barrier between you and your audience to become approachable? So I would say, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I, it's something I don't ever want to lose. And obviously, this is me implying that I think I'm approachable. I would like to say I think I am, and I get that feedback from a lot of people. So I don't think I'm that wrong in saying that, but. I really try to show all aspects of the world and the life that I live. So, yes, I do things that I'm well aware not everyone wants to spend money on or is able to spend money on, such as therapy. I know that that's a privilege to be able to see a therapist. I am so aware of that, and I'm thankful every session I leave that I'm able to pay for it. However, I also struggle with a ton of shit, such as anxiety. You know, I've talked about body image issues. I've talked about, like, I've gotten on my cell phone camera whatever and been like oh I just went to unload all of my summer clothes from last year and turns out none of my jeans fit because evidently I gained 10 pounds and no I wasn't watching and like that's okay it's yeah, yeah. fine I yeah. love the way I look but yeah. like that's reality yeah and I think we're in a stage where a lot of young females unfortunately are spending a lot of times on social media which is great I'm not saying social media is bad I think there are amazing things that come from social media but 
there is a very easy comparative trap. And it's very easy to sit on your phone and look at these people who live these lavish lifestyles and be like, why do they have that? I don't have this. I'm so jealous of that. Without realizing like that you may be me, you may be way happier than that person to begin with. But also like you don't know what's going into these images. You don't know like the money or like the work that's being put into them or all of the effort. It's not just like, oh, look at me in my perfect bathing suit on this amazing vacation. I'm having so much fun. You're seeing like a very small snippet of a highlight reel, which is what yeah. Instagram is. Yeah. Which I think all the time, like what the hell was Instagram without stories? Like right. how would I have ever connected to an audience? Because it's so hard to show all of this through Instagram posts. Yeah. I use my stories way more for my platform. Yeah. Because that's where I feel open to talk about things. You know, fights I'm dealing with with my husband or my family members or friends, social anxiety, like a lot right now I'm talking about is not drinking and how that's changed my life and how, you know, relationships evolve around that. Um, dealing with the accident I went through, like everything, I'm, I try to talk about things as I'm going through them versus this is what I went through. I figured out the answer. Now let me tell you about it. Because as a consumer, I feel intimidated by that also because mm. You see all these people that have figured out their problems, right? But I'm currently going through them. So you're almost allowing, and then you feel alone. Yeah, you're allowing people to come on the journey with you. Yes. To work through it with you. But it's very hard to set boundaries, and I had this long conversation with my two best friends, who I've been close with since second grade, and my husband last night, and we briefly just touched on it. Is that a lot right now? Is because, and maybe you feel the same way when you put yourself out there. A, you're constantly vulnerable. Yep. Like you're being so vulnerable to go on the Today Show and do anything live. Right. That to me and to many people causes severe anxiety. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, what? Right. Um, and I think I'm very vulnerable in the way I talk about topics. I've kind of given up what people think. So I've given up, do I look good? Do I have make? I never have makeup on. Like my stories, I'm rolling out of bed. On I'll show my retainer. I don't care. <laughs> Once you give up that aspect, it's like, okay, whatever. This is me. What yeah. you're getting. If you don't like it, move on. Yeah. But it's hard to draw the boundary of like, I'm inviting you to share this life with me and come on this journey with me. But then there are things where it's like, oh, that's a little triggering for me personally. And so what something do you mean? like triggering as in like, something I'm self-conscious about or something that I haven't fully dealt with and I don't know how to take you on that journey with because it's something that maybe I feel uncomfortable talking about. So like we were talking about yeah, before yeah. this episode, finances. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. People ask a thousand questions lately about my finances. Like how much money do you make? How do you afford to do all of this? Um, is your family rich? You come from, it seems like you come from money. You seem so privileged. And I was using the example prior to the show of Dax Shepard who said like if I stepped on stage as Dax and people were like you're so short you're so short short I'd be like no I'm not I'm fucking like six five shut right, up right but if someone's like you always need to be the center of attention you talk so much like you care so much about what people think about you he's like I would be really self-conscious because those are triggering for me because those are my insecurities so finances for me are triggering in a sense of a guilt over coming from money or privilege and feeling like I constantly have to prove that I still work hard which is very weird, and I'm still working through it with my therapist constantly. And I don't know, I don't know your background, so yeah, I'd love yeah, yeah. your take on this. But yeah. I don't know. I think it's hard when a you're doing something that people it's not quite quote unquote normal yet, like this whole Instagram world. Yes, people are so confused. People don't understand by it what it is. So yeah, yeah. confused. Like yeah, yeah. 
I get it. People are confused how I make money. I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. But I also think I then feel as if I have to prove to people extra that I'm working so hard, which is like, why? Joe's like, wh- hmm. why? Like, it doesn't matter how hard you're like. <laughs> just for the record, I just spilled water spilled all water over my phone. All over his phone. Um, like, he's like, you're working as hard as you need to work for your own purpose. There's no need to prove it to anyone. I yes. just kind of rambled. No, I. Okay. So I have so much to say on this. Tell so me. number one, um, it's funny that I represent like a trash movement. Mm-hmm. And I also grew up um, in a very white collar yeah. sense. I grew up on a place called Mercer Island, right outside of Seattle, mm-hmm. suburb. Um, it's like where Paul Allen lived. And like, it's a really, really, really high end area. Yeah. And went to private school mm-hmm. and had everything that I wanted growing up. We went and to then similar colleges. Sim- similar yeah. colleges. And then for me personally, my parents got divorced. My whole life melted away. And mm-hmm. like, thank God, like a part of me felt like, thank God they got divorced because we lost a lot of finances. We got shat on by the community mm-hmm. and it put a chip on my shoulder and it was like, okay. Um, at the same time, I also struggle with this idea that like I came from a rich background. Yeah. And I'm also representing a movement that's about like, oh, save all your waste because you don't want to, you know, lose mm-hmm. money. And it's like, so um, I totally understand that. And yeah. it comes with a stigma. At the same time, I don't know anyone that works harder than me. So and that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. And and so I it is a chip on my shoulder. And like then come work harder than me. Mm-hmm. Like, like it took me 14 years of cooking and spending my money to make the brand that I created. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same for you. And so no one gave me this. I never wanted it. No one gave me anything in regards to my career because I didn't want them to do that. Mm-hmm. And no one gave you freckled foodie. It's yeah. like you have – those are only things that you can bring yourselves. And so uh, I totally get it. I understand the stigma that comes with coming from a background like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it's going to end. And I, I also understand the stigma when I it know. comes to like influencer, which is what you do. Yeah. It's, it's like, like I'm like, embarrassed to say it. Yeah. Totally, but it's like it's just a new word, I know. and people will understand it. And in the future, people will take it like, oh, so it's basically like you're a journalist in yourself. Or yeah, I, who knows what the fuck they'll take it. Like I'm a, I'm my own boss. Like why can I? Not? I but mean, but I let's talk it. about what you're doing and what I'm doing. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're inspiring people to live a more healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. which is gonna help people lose weight, be happier with their life. And ultimately feel better. Feel better. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is helping people save money. I'm helping people save the world in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, you are. So yeah, you go to like, would you rather me go work at a bank or? Well, like, that's a thing. That's I, I don't know. I feel like me. what we're doing and what we're waking up for is really good for the world. So I agree. Whatever you're gonna do, you're gonna get knocked. Yeah. And and uh, trust me, I've been washing dishes in restaurants. I've put in the hard work, just like you do. Mm-hmm. Like right now, we're on your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. You had to go buy this equipment. You have to get up and I do this stuff. I had to learn how to do all this. Yeah, <laughs> and anyone can go do this. Just go do it. That's, it's not fucking. Yeah. It's not. It's not that it's hard. It's. Fu- it takes a lot of energy and motivation, mm-hmm. and you have that. I love you. This is like my. But pre- it's true. I have therapy later, but I'm like I don't this even know. This is therapy, if I need baby. It. Yes, get For rid real. of it. Get rid of it. So my thing is, I feel I also have a similar chip on my shoulder, but not from any moment of. Weirdly enough, there's one thing that really stuck with me when I played soccer. I played on a very extremely competitive team growing up. I was not by any means one of the better ones on the team. I like rode the bench, but I rode it fucking proud because we were number <laughs> one in the region. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll yeah, ride yeah. the bench. Why like not? we're number one in the region. Yeah, this totally. Rules. Own it. But my coach was very um, – he said a comment once to me that really pissed me off where he was like, well, you wouldn't get it because you're not blue collar. 
and he's like you don't come uh, like you wouldn't get it because you'll never work as hard as it's so funny because i've never connected these things but it just came to me yeah. like you you wouldn't get it because you'll never work as hard as those who come from blue collar and i was like fuck you super inappropriate yeah Wait, or first of all i'm yeah. 12 that's fucked up second yeah. of all like who says that and i think part of my chip on my shoulder is that my dad totally built everything from he, he lost his father when he was six he became the man of the house and he put in time and time and time and work and whatever and got to where he was to allow us to live the life we do. And same with my mother. No one knows this. I think everyone just thinks she married my dad. She was an investment banker on Wall Street in the 80s, one of the only females, and like was the one supporting my family until yeah. she decided to leave. Yeah. So I think I have a chip on my shoulder from a different place, but I also feel like I think that's what bothers me is the assumption because I'm like, I fucking work my ass off. And I do think it should be said that like, sure, my ability to quit my job and do this full time, like there obviously had to be things that had to work my way for this to be able. Like, I'm not saying everyone should quit their job and, you know, try and do X, Y, Z. You really need to be logical about it. I'm very grateful that I came from a place where I was able to save money. I'm grateful that I had an amazing job that paid very well for the first six years. I'm grateful I have a husband who has benefits. Like things aligned, but then I made them work. And so I think that's what I'm working through, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And, um, you know, I look at a lot of like basketball, right? Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of these these guys come up from, they come from like the ghetto yeah. a lot of the time. They come from really rough places. And there is a killer instinct that you have when it's like either be good at basketball or join a gang and die. Yeah. And it's like, I'm yeah, going to be good at basketball. Right. And I didn't grow up with that killer yeah. instinct and neither did you. And I'm sure that's what your coach was trying to say. Exactly. It's like, and like these yeah. guys came from a place where it was like that. I, I, I just don't buy it. Like, I just don't buy it. I think killer instinct comes from within. Um, and I think that me personally, like, my anxiety, okay? Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, so where's your stem from? So I don't know. It stems from like biological. But like mm -hmm. one time I was like 14 years old. I was in bed and all of a sudden my heart started pounding and I had an anxiety attack. I didn't mm -hmm. know what it was. I thought it was a heart attack. And it came from stress and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, I read that, you know, I've been reading about anxiety for years. There's no cure to anxiety. I'm going to yeah. say this on your podcast on the record. Mm -hmm. There is no cure to anxiety. I agree. Right? Meditation will help you cope with it. Mm hmm Medi medications will help you cope with it. Have you taken medications? Oh, yeah. I'm on an uh, antidepressant right now that helps yeah. me. Like, it's an SSRI. And it's, again, I'm not depressed. I'm mm -hmm. a really happy person, but it kind of dulls my anxiety. Yeah. I take clonopin if I'm on a plane and there's turbulence because for some reason I get nervous on turbulence. Mm -hmm. well, Lots of different I, things. <laughs> for some reason, it does make sense. Yes. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> but I mean, bottom line is uh, the last sentence of this book I read about anxiety was there's no cure for an anxiety, but do you really want a cure? And that's yes. interesting, and it goes back to this killer instinct of like, okay, well, yeah, you didn't grow up blue collar, and like, but there's something inside of you that is anxious. It's this insecurity that you have, mm -hmm. and maybe you can, you know, spend a lot of time with your therapist talking about it or meditating or reflecting on it with your friends. Mm -hmm. The reality is that Cameron, it's kind of what got you here. So someone else on Dax Shepard's podcast, I really need to chill with my Dax Shepard's, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> he said that, and I forget who this was, but he was saying how he was like trying to get rid of quote unquote his anxiety always trying to deal with it and finally someone turned to him and was like what if instead of thinking of it as such a negative you were like oh this is my superpower yeah like my anxiety is what got me here and my mom growing up from young when i was young my mom had an eating disorder when she was in college and then you know it never unfortunately leaves you so yeah. it was a part of our conversation growing up and 
she's recovered immensely, especially as of the past like 10 plus years. But she was always like, you know, that part of my life and including my anxiety, because she's anxiety is that she thinks of it as like a part of her, but a person walking beside her. Mm. So I will acknowledge you, like yeah. put a name to it. And a lot right. of people with eating disorders call it Ed for ED. But like, mm. I, Ed, I will acknowledge you. You can walk beside me because you're a part of me and you're part of what makes me who I am. And, you know, you've gotten me to many places in my life that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to without you. But I'm not going to let you be a, in me and control me. Yeah. Like, you'll walk beside me. Yes. I acknowledge you exist. Yes. I'm yes. not going to try to deny you. Right, right, right. But you're not a part of me. I like that. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So that's what I do. I'm going to take that. Yeah. Every time I'm like very anxious, she's like, okay, like, let it walk beside you. Interesting. Acknowledge it. Like, yeah. we're not going to, because the worst thing to do is just deny, deny, deny. Right. And I think that's what people struggle with with anxiety especially when they turn to family members or yes. friends and they're like no anxiety doesn't exist right or panic attacks don't exist or like just right. get over it right like what are you anxious about like if i knew i know i know sometimes it just comes out of nowhere yeah you know and people and i say i have anxiety and then yeah tomorrow i'm gonna get up in front of 10 million people and i have four minutes to crush a recipe i don't get anxiety for that it's very weird that's amazing yeah but i have anxiety getting on a plane so but i get that my mom also has plane anxiety has your anxiety increased by having a child um i don't know yet so i had a kid a month, <laughs> <laughs> had a kid a month ago um i will say he's so that cute. he's so freaking cute i i did not want a kid and um and eventually i did but like i'm kind of a, you know i like i'm grinding i'm worried about yeah. my career i thinking so much about what a future project just like you you know mm -hmm. and it and i thought really i mean this is just me being who i am i thought a kid might take away from that a little bit well, it might it makes make sense. it the it's drive a go less commitment it's a time commitment it's you're exhausted your focus. you're you know all this thing yeah it is not that at all it makes it i'm way more motivated like mm -hmm. i i want to grind twice as hard yeah um i do think anxiety so far has gone up at the same time certain things like i was on a plane here yesterday mm -hmm. and like it was really really bumpy and i was like the kid kind of called me. I don't know. It was like, okay, shit, I, I can't that. be like this because I have a Were kid. Were you with now. your kid? No. Oh, I was going to say, but oh if my I God, was with my, one month old but, if I was with, wow. no. <laughs> but if I was with my kid, I honestly think that I wouldn't have it and because so, I think I'd be there for him yeah. and I think I would step up for him. So I don't know yet. It's well, too early I to tell. Well, because I also think it puts things in perspective. I could totally see it increasing anxiety, mm. but I also think it puts things in perspective of like, I was talking with my friend who recently had a child and I was like, does nothing else matter anymore? Mm. And she's like, no, nothing. Nothing is as important as my child. Really? Like she just, well, like in a sense of everything matters, like I'm motivated, whatever. But she's saying like things that she used to oh, get yes. like worked up yes. over yes. or like stressed about. It does feel stupid. Yes. It's just like, Compared I can't believe this. I cared about that. Like totally. you were the only thing that matters now. Totally. So this is how I feel about, ugh, I really want a dog because we I We talked about this, Cameron. No dog I, for you. No, I really think it would help. And like it would put things in perspective for me. Hey, I just want, I've always wanted a dog. And now that I work for myself, I feel like it's doable. But my mom is like, my mom wants grandchildren yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like, can you just push my older sister, like chill back off of me for a little bit? But also like, are you going to help me with my maternity leave? Right. I don't have company anymore to right. help me with that. But I... I'm like, that's a lot for me right now. 
But then she's like, oh, you cannot get a dog. God forbid. I'm like, okay, so you want me to have a child, but I can't get a dog. <laughs> For me, a dog, I think, would put everything in perspective. We're like, yes, I get anxious over stupid shit of like, am I going to make it to my workout class in time? Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. if I have a dog that I'm walking or a child, like that doesn't matter. It does give a little bit more sense of responsibility, but I think that it's... Um, it's a big time commitment, I know. Dude, it's tough. Do you have an animal? No. Okay. But it, well, I've you've had got, an like, animal. The number one animal. I've now, had an animal, and I totally want one. I get where you're coming from. I want to <laughs> say go and get an animal, but I think you're you in the middle see of my it. Computer. Right now. I have literally 20 tabs open of all the dogs I want to adopt. I send Joe daily. You know what? Just do it. Who cares? Well, Just my, app, do it. my application is in to like okay. all of these so you're, adoption so you're centers. So you're committed, and you'll go, and you'll, in, like, and you'll grind. October. Yeah, you'll go for it. I mean, I think you know. Listen, I think that like. One of the biggest things, and I and I, I'm going to bring this full circle here, mm-hmm. but like one of the biggest things of like yes, we come from money, um, and is we there's a sense of confidence that you get when you come from money because you've been told by teachers never and been people, told no. you've never been told no, you've been told how great you are, mm-hmm. you kind of feel great because you kind of always got what you wanted, yeah. And I'm being really honest with everyone right now, and feel free to judge me, but I'm just telling you the yeah. reality is, and so I think a lot of wealthy people grow up with this confidence and that confidence can carry you past um overthinking things i agree and i'm going back to the dog i think that like a lot of people would take a decision like a dog or moving careers Mm -hmm. or should i get married to someone or should i move to this place and a lot of people are stuck in and they're completely um debilitated Mm -hmm. by the pluses and minuses and overthinking and I think that like there's a sense of confidence that you gotta have, and I'm not saying that all rich kids have it, but I mm-hmm. do think that I was born with a sense of confidence and brought up with this confidence, where I probably didn't get, I, I just dove into these things. Like it's, also, like it's a safety net. It's a sa- it is a safety net, and let's just be honest. But like, like having the safety net allowing totally. you to just be like, oh, fuck, I want to try. Why wouldn't I? I yeah, I want to go start freckled foodie. I'm yeah. going to quit my job and do it, as opposed to you know. But at the same mm-hmm. time, there's a confidence to that because there's totally. a lot of people who grew up in a similar way that you did and mm-hmm. are stuck in a job that they hate. And so, so where does people. that confidence come from? And to me personally, mm-hmm. no one has this shit figured out. No Trust one. me, I'm going on the Today Show tomorrow. I do not. Have you will see yeah. me on there and you'll be like, oh, that guy has a shit. <laughs> no, I don't. I think about money. I think about my anxiety. I think about my family. I, I compare myself to other people and I try not to. And yeah. like, I still struggle with all this stuff. But the key to everything for me has been confidence. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I, it's just because of growing up wealthy. I'm just saying. If you don't have confidence, you don't have shit. I agree. And someone, I did this whole like assumption video yesterday and someone was like, I asked like, what do you assume about me? Someone was like, you're really fucking confident and you go after what you want. And I was thinking, I'm like, growing up, my parents instilled a lot of confidence in me of like, you're great at this. You're, you did such a good job, which like I'm so grateful for. And they were always like, no, get out there and try. Like you better leave everything on the field. That was what my mom said to me before every game. She's like, I don't care if you win or lose or you suck or whatever, but get in this car and you better have given it your all. And they were very intense parents around sports. Um, My mom especially. But I think that, you know, for instance, a decision of me quitting my job, there was a year where I was toying with it of like, I don't know, I don't know. But then I had the confidence. I knew it would work, but I needed that extra push of my friend's joke. They're like, it took you getting hit by a car to like really get your shit together. But, but you know, that push and mine weirdly came from meditation. Like once I started meditating, it became so clear. It wasn't, should I, I don't know. It was like, duh, I'm doing this. Yeah. And 
I think a confidence is contagious. So surround yourself with people who encourage you to be the best version of yourself and who are out there trying to be the best version of theirs. Because there's nothing worse than sitting around with a group of people, females or males, that are just like, I hate this. I'm so bored. Totally. I hate this. And then doing shit about it. If yeah. you complain, do something about it. I hate people who problem complain and don't problem solve. And that's something that I definitely inherited from my parents. Yeah. I even get mad at Joe. I'm like, he'll complain something's wrong in the house. I'm like, fix it. Then yeah. do th- th- then do something. Right. Like right. don't do something. He's right. like, okay, I just <laughs> said it like a second ago. <laughs> so I could chill with that. But I totally agree. I think, you know, coming from a wealthy background has helped with a safety net, but then finding the confidence within yourself to take it to that next level is huge. Totally. And while we're on this, because I do love your confidence, what would you say your favorite characteristic about yourself is? Mm. Um, I would say my obsession with making sure that other people are taken care of and connected to. It's a great thing. So, yeah, I would say, like, if I go to a party mm-hmm. and I see someone's not having a good time, for some reason, I'm attracted to that person. Like, yeah. I want to go be with that person. And same thing when I'm teaching in a class and I can tell someone's not vibing. I'm like, I have a weird obsession with making sure everyone feels like they're taken care of. And I think that's what comes through on camera and it mm-hmm. comes through. I agree. It's why probably I'm a chef. It's, yeah. you know, I want to like nourish people and feed them. And, um, you know, I started cooking because my parents got divorced mm-hmm. and food stopped going to the table. What and age were you? I was like 17. Okay. Um, and by the way, that's like when we lost all of our money. We mm-hmm. lost, like our family went down the shitter when it came to the community. Like everyone was talking about us. It was, was a very messy divorce. bio dad that you referred to? No, I don't oh. know my bio okay. dad. So that's my, what I was wondering. But then yeah. When you so said my bio this, dad left confused. when I was like three. Okay. And then my dad, who I call my dad, mm-hmm. um, adopted me when I was four and then they got divorced got when I was 17. Um, but food stopped hitting the table. We all kind of went to our separate rooms and mm-hmm. I have three other siblings and we just kind of dispersed and wasn't a family yeah. anymore. And I realized that when like, oh, I helped out and made like a pasta and put it on the table, we all sat around the table and kind of hung together. out. And so there is like a piece to me that like, that I love about myself that I think I'm kind of the glue. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think cooking is kind of glue. I totally agree. It yeah. brings people together, which is why I love it. Yeah. How about you? What's your favorite part of yourself? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Um, I would say my loyalty. like, But almost to a... F- like, I would say it's one of my favorite things about myself, but also something that I'm continuously working on because I can take it to extremes. Like, I'm very loyal. I will do anything for those I love. And I love... I feel emotions very hard. My dad mm. said that in my wedding speech. He was like, you feel everything. Mm. When you're competitive, you are competitive to the max. When you're sad, you are sad. Like... I allow myself to feel emotions and loyalty is something that I'm, I really admire in others and I, I feel very loyal to others. So therefore I also set a very high bar. Interesting. So like if someone crosses someone I love, like watch out. I'm kind of, you're a Jersey girl. I get, side that comes can you out. cut someone? Like I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you would go nuts. Jersey girl side. Oh my God. But then also like, you know, I expect loyalty out of friends and yeah. so it's, it's, Honestly, I kind of set myself up sometimes for failure where I expect such amazing things out of people. Yeah. So I set very high standards, but I make it clear. I'm like, hey, you really disappointed me with that. And, <laughs> and how have you leveraged that loyalty into your career? Because I think that like 
it's a really good exercise. I'm really glad you asked the question. No yeah. one's really asked me what what's a part of myself that I really love. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like when you can find out what you're what you love, it mm-hmm. usually is the same thing of what you're really good at. I agree. And when you can find out what you're really good at and make that into a career. So my question to you is how have you leveraged loyalty into Freckled Foodie and kind of what you're doing with building the brand? I think I'm loyal to my audience. Yeah. Like they are my quote unquote best friend collectively as one person. So like I do everything because I'm thinking like, well, what do they need? What do, what content do they want? How can I help them? How can I make sure that I'm giving them the best version of myself that day? Mm-hmm. Or like I ask a lot, like, what are you guys struggling with? What do you want to see? And then I make an effort to do more I of feel that. like you're really honest. I'm very and honest. And I think that's oh, yeah. loyal. Like, I think that that's... Very honest. Like, yeah. I can't hold back anything. Yeah. If I'm thinking something, I have to say it. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I can't... I mean, not that I'm dishonest, but like it was one of the things I think that you do so well with your audience and for whoever's listening, and I'm Thank sure you. you guys can agree, is that you kind of feel like you, you really are with you in your life. And that's what I want. Like, like walking down the street yeah. with you and like on the good days, on the shitty days, yeah. on the days that you're like going to a fucking cool gala or mm-hmm. you're going to like your house on the shore yeah. and on the days that like it's like rainy and you're fucking mm-hmm. behind and like you're cooking for a bunch of your clients. Like, yeah. You're on all those days. And I get a lot of DMs of people being like, I feel like I know you. And I totally get that feeling because I've felt that way about others that I watch like as a consumer. Right. And honestly, like as weird as that sounds when I say it about people that I don't know and I feel that way or people feel weird when they say it to me. But like that's what I'm striving for because that eventually is what builds my company and what builds the audience. Like I want you to be a part of this. Yeah. I'm taking you on this journey. I'm here to show you every part of it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, I, am, and I, I try I just to be hope as honest that people, as possible. Yeah, I hope that people understand it's not like, <laughs> like doing that is not a selfish thing. Yeah. Well, I think there are, <coughs> you know, I think sometimes as a consumer, I watch some Instagrams and I'm like, there is so much of like you yeah, loving yourself on here. Totally. And but I you think have a, you I'm, are not I'm doing not that. self-deprecating, but I very much am like, oh, I'm not good at this or I don't do that. And like we were talking about success and, you know, someone asked me like, have you ever been rejected? And I was like. Yeah, all the like I get rejected all the time, and I'm sure you do too. By the, in your career, all, uh, I can barely I get, remember the times I've been told yes. Yes, all I hear. But that's now. like what I say. Like you can't have highs without lows. So like, not that a rejection is a low, but of course I'm going to get rejected. It just means that there's either a different opportunity out there that I'm meant to be doing. Yeah. Or like one day I'll make sure it's a yes. Like, and I think back to when I was young, like that soccer team, for instance, I got moved from like the playing team to like the travel, like side team portion. Um, so like I would only go to tournaments with them and I was heartbroken, but then I was like, okay, I'm going to focus more on lacrosse. And then lacrosse is what I ended up playing Mm. in college. And I loved it. Mm. I didn't get into George. I wanted to go to Georgetown so badly. Didn't get recruited. Ended up at Lafayette. Couldn't have been happier. Like, I, all I wanted to do was be on a microphone and on TV. So I applied to all, like, NBC Sports, ESPN, Fox. I thought I was going to be a sports broadcaster. Didn't end up hearing from them. Interned, applied to J.P. Morgan on a whim. Got it. Like, ended up loving the first five years of my, you know, stuff like that where I'm like, I, and think about all the brands I reach out to all the time, pitching myself. And they're like, no, no, thanks. I'm like, okay. If yeah. I, like, if I shut down every time I got denied, I wouldn't be, I'd be doing nothing all day because I get a denial email every day. I, it took me 13 years to get a TV show. Yeah. Like 13 years of no's. And someone told me directly into my face that I have a face for radio. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Swear to God. I hope you send them your first like. I, oh, my thing. God. How'd you know that? I did. <laughs> I sent them my t- first time I went on the Today Show. And I'm like, 
How's that know, radio face? How's that radio face? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't know. I'm not saying I figured that part out. You never no, do. No, it still sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's okay. You know, you can't be expected to get accepted to everything. Yeah. Where's the fun in that? But also, it's hard to learn from all the yeses. So sometimes, I like, agree. like, you know, if you think about, you know, a, um, a lacrosse match that you lost mm-hmm. versus one that you won. Like, one that you win, you go out and celebrate, you don't even think about it. Yeah. One that lo- you lost, you think about, like, well, should we have played more defense? I like, know. do we wish you- So it's just like, I, I don't know. Losses are, I you hate the word so loss. Yeah, but you have to. Yeah. And I'm really trying to do better at celebrating the wins, quote unquote, because I first, I struggle with, I want something so badly. I like, want it want it want it i get it and then i immediately go to panic yeah instead of being like wow way to fucking go this is awesome let's look let's look forward to it let's be excited let's right. not panic that i'm not good enough it's the imposter syndrome yeah. that i struggle yeah with. it's so. hard it's hard when you get what you at the same time when you when you earned it and you got there yeah like i remember the first time that um i went on good morning america and i was like standing out on times square with like 80 people around me and like cameras and mm-hmm. i'm like oh my god like Five years ago, I was paying people. Yeah. Paying people. I would go work at a restaurant, use my check, and pay people to make episodes of TV. And now I'm standing in Times Square doing this. And it was just this moment of like, am did I arrive? And it kind of goes back to my first thing of success of just like, to me, to be in that moment mm-hmm. and to, to your point of like, to relish in it. And yeah. to, to feel good about the hard work that you did to get there as opposed to letting your anxiety get in and be like, shit, now what? Now mm-hmm. what? Where do I go next? Or how do I, you know, that is the key to like, I, I think to life. I think I that's agree. the key to being And successful. if we're going to learn from the losses, we need to success, uh, celebrate the success, mm. you know? Like and each yeah, one needs totally. to, to have its own thing. Totally. So, I want to touch quickly. I have one last question about oh, food. Yeah. But before we get there, quickly on scraps. I feel like we've talked about nothing around food. I agree, is that but bad? whatever. Okay, no. good. Okay. Oh, my God. The good thing is that we can talk about whatever Lots about anxiety. we went Lots on of here. Anxiety. Yeah, but it's all about making anything of life approachable <laughs> and just having my friends on here. Good. So we've good. succeeded. Good. Um, regarding scraps, yeah. real quick. Yeah. What do you think is the number one scrap that we are wasting and how do you think the best way to use it is mm. and you can speak from your personal like what's the number one thing you toss out i can think of mine yeah. right now you can yeah what's yours um well chew joe eats a banana every morning Kay. before he works out so banana Kay. peels Kay. and i have a compost bin and we compost in our basement but like i would still like to be better about yeah. it yeah so banana peels and mine is lemon I have warm lemon juice every morning. Yeah, yeah. So I know I can make like probably preserved lemons. Or yes. Th- yeah, okay. So t- so t- totally. Let me let me go yeah. to your scraps first. So first and foremost, lemon peels. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, banana peels. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing infused in things. So like imagine making yeah. So like imagine like making a caramel and putting yeah. the banana peel in it. Now you have this banana kind of caramel vibe. Yeah. That drizzled over a taxi cab would taste good. I mean, anything <laughs> would taste good with that on it. Yes. Um, so anything that you can melt, like think about butter. You could put mm-hmm. banana peel in a butter and make a banana, banana butter bread. and then use that for banana bread or a kind of, you know what I mean? So it just, it really heightens the banana. Okay. When you cook banana peels, it almost tastes plummy. Interesting. Um, I've also sliced it really thin and put it in my banana bread and banana pancakes. It's really? delicious. Yeah. Lots of cultures, specifically India, cook with banana peels. Okay. I'm going to try that next I made time. a chutney too. That was amazing. So that's okay. banana peels. Good to Lemon. Um, yeah. You, you nailed it. The outside of the lemon, mm-hmm. the actual peel is totally usable and delicious. So when you squeeze a lemon yeah. and you have that just 
toss it with a bunch of salt, put mm-hmm. it in a jar, and forget about it for like three months, come back to it. The lemons have lost all their water. Yeah. And you can peel the outside and chop up the lemon um, skin and put it in t- wherever there would be olives. So in the salad, in the pastas. Ooh. So just think of like I preserved lemon like olives. Like when I slice a lemon really thin. And yeah. I- cook it yeah with like a fish i <sighs> love the taste of the rind yes oh, that little bitterness is yeah. awesome have you heard of the snack rind no i'm gonna send you home with a bag um you have a snack called rind yeah it's it's dehydrated fruit but like with the peel still on see i i dig that bitter flavor it's a really personally good. yeah and so, so what my would yours scrap be? would be i think like stone fruit pits are really interesting mm-hmm. and i always have like peach pits and cherry pits yeah. i love cherries oh, in the just summer threw out cherry pits. yeah Damn. so like so you can put those in your vodka and you'd have like this cherry pit Shut vodka up. and it tastes kind of almondy and it's so good in cocktails it's incredible okay. um i love when you ever like you make corn and you like strip yeah, the corn the off the but yeah, you can put that in like milk and like infuse it in milk and cook your polenta or. I was just tons hearing about like things. a corn soup. Oh and my they god! Use that for the broth because it like gives it the corn flavor. It and it's like not just a corn flavor; it's the fucking bomb. Like and also okay. the butter trick: melt butter and put your corn in it and make corn butter. Toss your lobster in that. Use it in risotto. Okay, I'm hungry. Toss your popcorn in it, and your eyes will roll in the back of your okay, head. Okay, I'm going to do that this weekend because yes. we eat so much corn at my house. Do you? Yeah, and it's Joe's. Yes, <laughs> Joe's job is to husk the corn. Before there dinner, you go. Okay? There you go. Um, and we always battle over like everyone likes it cut down, except yes. Joe likes it on the cob, and my grandmother. So everyone's is cut down. So we just throw out the cob. That's what happens. That's what happens. Okay, so we're going to do that. Yes. So then my last question for yes. you is: it's my favorite way. It always has been to get to know someone okay so what would be the three ways to your heart through food and it's not necessarily your last meal quote unquote but what just gives you this sense of happiness and love and warmness through food yes and it can be very specific like a specific sandwich at this deli or generic like pizza but it has to be it it should be a dish well no now i'm curious what you're gonna go with i don't i don't know i don't know it doesn't have to be a dish it could be like a lemon yeah well i I don't know well the first key to my heart through food is what's around the table i'm very 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 cognizant no one has ever answered that way and i really appreciate that thank answer. you well i mean i food tastes different um i believe food is seasoned by what's not in the food but actually what's away from like the mm-hmm. food and think about like your favorite food moment ever i guarantee you there's a story with people involved oh yeah and that's the point. You could have the best fish of your life, but if you're by yourself on the couch with, in a moo-moo watching Real Housewives, no it tastes cares. different than if you're you know, on the Italian coast with a bunch mm-hmm. of Italians. So to me, the key to my heart is actually people mm-hmm. and not the food. Um, with that said, that would be number one. Okay. Number two, there's some nostalgic stuff that I love. Yeah, duh. Um, yeah, duh. Duh, I love duh. <laughs> um, I'm a big, like, call me just the most stereotypical Jewish guy ever. I'm just like, Cream cheese bagels, lox. I love. Like. Love, 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 love. You will find me in a closet, like crying on a bad day, smearing chive cream cheese all over my face. Like, Where's your favorite in the city? Uh, there's too many places. I do think Sedell's is amazing. I love Sedell's. And Their I just tower? heard they have a glu- Outrageous. <laughs> I heard they have a gluten-free bagel. Really? Which I haven't found a good I'm gluten-free bagel. I'm down for a gluten-free so bagel. So I gotta try. Yeah. But uh, growing up, I don't know why. I'm not Jewish. Yeah. A lot of people think I'm Jewish. Which, I totally could see that, but yes. But I have... Okay, whatever. A lot of people think I'm from New York, which I'm not. So okay. I get it. But like, anyway, a lot of people think I'm Jewish. Yes. And 
I grew up eating lox. I had no idea it was Jewish. We have it in our fridge. I'm not kidding you. 24-7, there's always lox in our fridge. And so I grew up loving it. And then one of my best friends, I became really close with a girl who was Jewish, and she came over one day. And I was like, oh, what do you want for breakfast? Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, my mom has some bagels. We have cream cheese and lox. She's like, and you're trying to tell me you're not Jewish. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> But I love. Oh, I love it. It's I love so Sidels. good. It's so good. And then, I mean, do you put raw onion on yours? I'm sorry, I have to. Ask. Really, really thinly sliced. Okay. Re- is that bad? I just like have a thing against raw onion. <laughs> it's a battle in my life that I'm just gonna <laughs> continue to lose. Uh, when I, so when I was in culinary school, I went to culinary school in Napa Valley, and then I would work at a farmer's market on the weekends to make a little extra money. Mm-hmm. I we did the best. And if you ever are in San Francisco, they're still there. She's became my mentor. This girl, Sally Hebert. She's kind of this older hippie. Mm -hmm. She's all over the show because I'm obsessed with her. Um, But she taught me how to make a San Francisco lox sandwich. And what it is 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 a slab of Acme sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. She makes her own whipped cream cheese. She makes her own smoked salmon. She puts it on there and then goes around the market and kind of just finds what's in season. She's shaved beets on there. She's done all this stuff. And then she finishes it with, let me just tell you, lavender salt. What? Lavender salt. If there's anything you take away from this besides that you should deal with your anxiety through therapy, buy lavender salt. <laughs> lavender salt. I've never tried that. And sprinkle that. it on tomatoes and sprinkle it on anything. It is so floral and it just brings out everything. And so that's my favorite lock sandwich in the world. Oh my God. Wait, you've never been to the Jersey Shore, but have you had a good Jersey tomato? No. What the But f- I've heard they're like, amazing. Wh- are you <laughs> Where kidding? Have I been? <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> Okay, next summer because now we're yes. like we're already summer's done. And summer's like, done. you have a child, and I everyone decided to get married in my life in August. <laughs> At next summer, yeah, yeah, we're gonna do a little day trip to the oh shore. Oh my god, I would love that. But good Jersey tomatoes, there is nothing better like with a roadside and mozzarella. Oh my gosh, but it's really good. I yeah. like to add cucumber and um, tomato to my bagels cream cheese lock. yeah and that would be my third thing which is right there which is just simplicity yeah I think with food especially when you like love food so much you get so excited to put so much on the food yep. and like when you have a great tomato a little salt a little basil mm-hmm. a little olive oil you don't need anything crazy and just put that down the gullet and you're good to go so I think simplicity cream cheese bagels <laughs> and then what's around the table the okay. weirdest answer to your question no I've, I've had some very odd responses <laughs> Like so fucking weird. What did you? What's the weirdest? I'm just curious. Um, my friend Justin, the one who did the food waste, his was, what was the sandwich? It was just white bread, and I wanted it wasn't cheese because that would have just been a grilled cheese. Maybe it was like ham and ma- I I don't know, but it was so odd. <laughs> and then he goes, "Well, I haven't had it since I was seven. And I was like, "Justin, if it's your favorite thing in the world, <laughs> why haven't you had it since you were little?" He's like, "Well, I haven't had someone to make it for me." And I was like, "You need your mom to wow. make you that sandwich." He's one of my best friends. I'm so glad I can you shit have it on. Him. I'm glad you have it on record, though. We use it as like his dating thing. I was Perfect. like, "Okay, whoever wants to date Justin came in," and then I actually got people that reached out. And I no said, way. swear on my life, I sent him screenshots of like a few DMs I got, and I was like, um, "Can I get a finder's fee oh if you actually get God. a girlfriend?" He's amazing. So That's I can incredible. shit on him because we're close. But thank you so I love much. It. Thank this you, is Cameron. so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. I can't yeah. wait until our skip date in Jersey. Today. You, you put I, in for your real, hours. I'm going after this, but I'm like, Aaron, I don't even know if I need you. No, I always need her. Thanks for having um, me. I'm thank such you a so fan much. of what you do. I'm such a fan of what you do. So everyone go check out Scraps. It'll all be in the show notes. And I will also link the book Cooking Scrappy. Woo!
Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there at Freckled Foodie.